Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Phoenix Business Radio X. I am your guest host today, Kendra Maples. Normally, I'm hosting a podcast all about company culture, but it over it overflows into what we're going to talk about today when we're talking about good business. I am so excited to be in the studio today with Lisa Swanson. Lisa, you are the CEO of Mobile One Dot. Yes. <laughs> really excited to have just you and I in the studio. Sometimes we're we're filled with the mics and the people and the conversation, which is all great. But sometimes we get a little carried away and we don't really get to dive into one person in particular and one company in particular. So I'm really excited to learn about you and Mobile One Docs and share what you're doing with everyone else. So let's jump in. Tell me a little bit about you, maybe your background, and then we'll dive more into the sure. company. Thank you, Kendra. Thanks for having me yeah. here. I'm so excited. I am a nurse practitioner. I still practice clinically. I have been involved in healthcare for about 25 years and started out in the early days, you know, as a nurse and worked in a variety of different settings. I founded uh, Mobile One Docs 2016 and I still um, run it as CEO. It's very interesting that, you know, it's changed and evolved over the years in terms of, you know, technology and patient care. So it's very exciting to, you know, utilize my background and continue to strive to, you know, make a difference in the community. Yeah. And I love that you are a nurse practitioner. My mom was a nurse and was in, she was a medical assistant. And so I always have a spot in my heart and compassion for what you guys do. I don't know if I have the patience for some of the things that you guys do. So I admire the work that you do. So tell me a little bit more about Mobile One Docs, how it started when you started this in 2016. Like, where did this come from? Sure. I always have been involved in home-based primary care since 2010. Uh, so when I uh, completed my nurse practitioner program, I felt that it was still important to work in the community. Uh, I had done so in the past, and that's where I wanted to be. And I felt that at that time, it was important to address the needs of those um, individuals that are homebound, that mm -hmm. have difficulty getting into traditional healthcare offices. So we embarked on creating that program uh, back in the day. And with that, you know, it's grown in terms of acceptance and, of course, with technology mm -hmm. uh, and developed into telehealth over the years as well. And uh, so it's pretty exciting to be involved in a field that you want to be in and to, um, you know, have that passion and grow. Yeah. Did you have anyone in your life that was maybe homebound that kind of started this? Or where did some of this inspiration come from? Back in the day when I was uh, working in home health and hospice, I really enjoyed, um, you know, the, the team collaboration of working together, mm -hmm. taking that to uh, present that as an offering. And also, you know, I do have elderly parents too. And mm -hmm. so now, you know, they are dealing with their health situations and how to honor their wishes and where they can age in place where they want to. And mm -hmm. uh, that gives me insight and continues to 
inspire me and, you know, and see how they adapt as well. And so, you know, cute story. When I finally did get them set up, you know, with a mobile in-house medical provider, they called me and they were excited because at first they didn't know what to expect. And then they said, oh, so this is what you do. (laughs) Yeah, this is. (laughs) And they're like, oh, this is fantastic. So uh, it worked out well for them. And and I'm glad. (laughs) I love that. And I love sometimes family doesn't understand what we do, how we do it. My mom's the same way. She's slowly figuring out the things that I do for work. And she's like, oh, oh, I like that. (laughs) So I love that now they get to see and witness and be part of what you're doing. Now, you mentioned the technology piece Mm -hmm. and how technology has affected and supported what you're doing in this space. Tell me a little bit more about this. Yeah, well, when I first started in home-based primary care, I mean, we were still charting on paper, for one, just from that aspect alone, just, you know, as we evolved into great EMRs that can capture, you know, fantastic data, et cetera. Uh, you know, so that's a huge progress. Uh, and also, um, you know, of course, with the pandemic, right, you know, the seniors before then, you know, weren't exposed to telehealth technology. And so what we're finding since then is, you know, that there's much greater acceptance, um, you know, with that population and their caregivers and families. Yeah. And before the pandemic, was this, because I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, right, we say pre-COVID, post-COVID. It's a new timestamp for things. Prior to the pandemic and all of that, was this a platform? Was this an opportunity that was as big as I would think of it as now, right? Now to offer that opportunity for them to stay home, right? During the pandemic, that was what people needed. So tell me about that transition of kind of pre-pandemic, post-pandemic. Yeah, certainly was a big change. Uh, Pre-pandemic, our business model uh, was to visit patients in their homes. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, and even myself, we would drive to the patient's home. We have the time to be able to sit there, you know, for up to an hour at a time uh, to really, you know, establish a connection with the patient, Mm -hmm. family, uh, kind of take a look at their resources, uh, their home setting, and taking that back to the team to see how we can work together Mm -hmm. for them. With the pandemic, of course, uh, that changed. We actually became busier in many ways. One, we were able to offer, you know, monoclonal infusions in the home setting at that time. So we had to kind of ramp up and change gears pretty quickly. I was thankful that we were able to do that, uh, you know, with great flexibility and to, you know, help make a difference. Uh, And also in terms of telehealth to that Burgeoned, of mm-hmm. course, uh, making us a lot busier. But now, you know, we still feel that it's important to have those in-person visits, you know, back to our core model. And patients and families like that, too. They want to be able to, you know, have someone visit in the home and take mm-hmm. that time as well. Yeah. And that time and that connection piece. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that when they are getting their visits, right? And you said, Sometimes they're there for an hour. I mean, I know when my mom was a medical assistant and she was visiting homes doing some similar work, she really connected with these folks. I mean, Mm -hmm. I knew all their names and she'd tell me about the day. And, you know, it was an extension of our family, all of her folks that she was visiting. So tell me about that when it comes to 
your team when they're making these visits? How many people are they visiting in a day? How much time do they really get to, you know, spend and and connect? Are these visits that they're making, are they having the same person visit each time? Tell me a little bit more about that. Absolutely. Uh, So our model is visiting patients in their home setting mostly. Mm -hmm. And so um, that means their, their private home. And even though we do service, you know, larger assisted facilities, but I would say, you know, that's uh, the main uh, core line is to see our patients in the home. And so we, as a team, of course, you know, everybody from intake, you know, they get to know the referral source pretty well. Mm -hmm. Uh, The families, they have, you know, um, pretty intense conversation in the beginning of, you know, services and how we can help. And of course, then it goes over, you know, to our scheduling department because we want to make sure that, you know, we are able to schedule timely and uh, with the, the the right provider for our, you know, different programs that we have. So once we are able to send the provider out, we want to maintain that relationship and ongoing care. So we make sure that there are follow-up visits and to keep them on schedule. And so with that, we build up uh, trust, you know, a relationship that as we work together as a team, it's not just only the provider or the care coordinator or the scheduler, but all of us together, uh, we can, you know, help uh, act as the center of their hub for primary care, for mm-hmm. referrals, and also as a transition through their disease process too, because many of our patients have chronic uh, conditions, mm-hmm. uh, multiple, um, and they're very ill in the home and they need a lot of support. Mm-hmm. When you are, you've mentioned a couple of times the work that you do with the telemed and and you're obviously partnering with other organizations and other healthcare providers. Tell me a little bit about that when it comes to collaborating with some of these traditional healthcare providers. Sure, absolutely. So primary care for home-based setting we work together really well with home health agencies. Mm-hmm. So it's a, you know, back and forth. Oftentimes, you know, they might need physical therapy in the home or a home health nurse to come in uh, just to monitor their condition for mm-hmm. a period of time. And also there might be a time when they're appropriate for hospice services. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we uh, work with uh, different agencies um, in the community as well to help the patient, the family, wherever they are in their illness, In addition to our traditional uh, primary care providers, we work with them too. So um, sometimes we get uh, patients as they're discharged from the hospital and we're able to see them right away within a day or two upon discharge. And when they get stronger, they can go back to their community primary care provider. And perhaps maybe they're unable to because of their condition, and they might need us a little bit longer. So we're there for them in terms of whatever they need, and uh, and then we support uh, the care coordination and collaboration with everybody. How does that communication process work, right? Because there's so many pieces and partners, and you guys are the ones that are there in person, but there's a lot of these other providers that are involved. Who who's communicating <laughs> right. all of this? Yeah, that that is always the challenge, uh, right? Because there are a lot of moving pieces and parts. But we have a dedicated staff, highly trained, and in our system, uh, we make lots of notes, a lot of notations, especially for our referral sources. So we keep a strong connection with them. 
to update them. And, you know, each partner, they have a different set of workflows or requirements. And and so we work with everyone and uh, we try to capture, you know, what those needs are first and then to make sure we accommodate them. And so that's the beauty of, you know, being able to work with so many different uh, partners, different markets, different settings, and uh, it's very rewarding. Yeah. And and you mentioned your team as well. You've got all these different partners and your your team. How big, what does your team look like? Yeah. So uh, we're actually in uh, Phoenix and uh, Las Vegas, Reno. Up in Reno, we actually have an on-site clinic for the downtown homeless shelter. Oh. Uh, so we're pretty busy there. Uh, we also service rural areas such as Bullhead City, Kingman. Okay. And so we're always looking to accept new challenges, grow. We have the ability to. Okay. With the on-site, you said you have an on-site in Vegas mm-hmm. to focus on that downtown homeless population. That's in Reno. Oh, in Reno. Okay. Uh-huh. So with that, how did that come about? Because that's a little bit different, right? It's not necessarily visiting in-home, but that connection and helping the community and the homeless population Tell me about this. I love that you have that location that has a a little bit different of a focus. Right. So we were approached by a payer that worked closely with the county. Okay. And to see if we were interested. And so, of course, I said, why not? Right. (laughs) So uh, I went there myself in the beginning just to, you know, see what the needs are. Mm-hmm. We just grew organically from that. And so main thing right now is, you know, uh, collecting data and, uh, you know, seeing cost of care and how we can make a difference and improve care and delivery in terms of primary care, mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, maybe unnecessary ER visits where we can, you know, help on site first. So that's what we're taking a look at right now. And uh, the response has been amazing. I mean, I get letters sent in from them and saying, you know, what a difference that, you know, having us there, it's very helpful for them. And yeah, it's amazing. I love that. And you said that you were approached. When did that location start? Mm -hmm. How long has that been there? I would say about a year and okay. a half ago. Mm-hmm. Are there any goals for duplicating this in Arizona? <laughs> We'd like to. Yeah, that's in the works. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I know that we, even just recently, we had a couple of folks in the studio, Eric Sperling and Robin Reed, talking about some of their initiatives with focusing on the homeless population and how to help and improve. And so I definitely know that through the studio, we have some folks that I'm sure would be on board if this was something that you wanted to try and bring to Arizona. It's definitely a community, um, you know, an area that we need to focus on out here too. Yes. So I love that you're doing it in Reno. You're getting all the bugs out of the way, maybe figuring out you know, the quirks and how it works. And right. then, you know, absolutely, there's there's a space for that here yes. that we can support. On that note of, you know, kind of building and growing and learning, tell me about some of, you know, it can be the good, the bad, the ugly, but tell me some of the the stories, the growth areas where you've had to overcome some challenges with this business and the space you're in 
or maybe even that particular project, right? Yeah. Well, it's interesting because uh, here we are getting back to our pandemic era, uh, pre-pandemic time. Uh, we were always remote. Okay. Uh, so our staff, we work remotely. Yeah. Uh, uh, our remote staff supports our field providers. That really didn't change much uh, afterwards. And uh, so, you know, we're very versed with dealing with remote workers and and our staff really enjoy it too because they're able to have more of a balance. And, yeah. uh, and you know, we have a great team. Other challenges, um, I would say always, of course, recruiting, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, as, you know, our population is aging and more and more, um, you know, how do we keep up with that? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we are aware of that and, you know, actively looking at ways, uh, you know, to help support that need. Mm-hmm. And when you say recruiting, because it's it's both ends, right? Finding the folks that you need to to serve and support if they are this aging population, but then also recruiting for folks to join your team, right? Right. Correct. So when you are looking for somebody to recruit to join your team, is there anything in particular that you're looking for? Or, you know, what does that perfect candidate look like for you? Yeah, uh, definitely to have a passion to uh, care for individuals and their families in the home setting, right? (laughs) And because it is different from your traditional clinic mm-hmm. setting and uh, and also, you know, being able to to drive. Of course, many of us have worked in, you know, home health in the past and we're used to driving and so that's not a problem. But And also the patient's ability to have shared conver- decision conversations with patients, caregivers mm-hmm. in a different setting. We are open to training. Absolutely. And especially training new grads. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we've had a few that have done phenomenally well and are still with us and love it. You know, we are open to that and feel that training is very important. And even for those that, um, you know, have had experience to still learn and adapt and especially with, you know, technology changes to help support that too. Yeah. And I love that you say the family piece because it definitely is not just the one patient you're visiting. Um, it's right. it's the whole family, and sometimes they're a little spicier <laughs> than maybe the patient you're working with. Um, I've yeah. had my mom come home numerous times, and there's some other family member that's there, and she's like, I'm just trying to take care of my patient. Yeah. So being able to have that flexibility with communicating with everybody, right, the patient, mm-hmm. the family, the providers, all of those pieces together, absolutely, I see that. So important. Are there any other gaps that you see in kind of healthcare? And obviously, we're making a lot of progression in the space that you're in, right? And especially today with the flexibility and being remote, like you said, being able to have that flexible schedule, drive to these different shifts. But are there other areas that you see as maybe gaps in this where we can still grow and where maybe you guys need support as well. Sure. I think, of course, awareness, um, Mm -hmm. because we still encounter families that come to us and and mention, oh, we've never heard of this before. Yeah. You know, and others have. Uh, So I think, you know, being able to, you know, get the word out more um, so that you know, patients and their families are aware of the services that are involved in the home. Yeah. Um, so many of them are just used to, you know, the traditional. And uh, there comes a time where that might not be possible. And it's, you know, taxing for the patient physically to go. Mm-hmm. Um, 
also increasing accessibility, especially in remote areas. Mm. Uh, That's always going to be an ongoing challenge. When you say accessibility in some of these remote areas, do you mean more of getting this service out into these remote areas, right? Just getting the actual human out there to help them? Correct. Okay. What are some areas for that accessibility that you think could improve that could grow? Yeah, I certainly think, of course, telehealth option, Mm -hmm. um, but then also having maybe, um, you know, either more of medical assistants, nurses, other uh, delivery providers that can go out to the home to connect, Mm -hmm. um, you know, with the physician, nurse practitioner, telehealth Mm -hmm. uh, to assist in those remote rural areas. Yeah, for sure. I worked for Wounded Warrior Project in the past, and so that was a constant thing that came up was some of our veterans lived in much more rural areas. And how do you get them the accessibility to the VA? If it's not the VA, then what is it, right? It's something like what you guys are doing. It's some other provider that can be in person and give them that support. And it was a constant conversation on that accessibility side. So I hope that in the future, we see this shift a little more because it's Like I said, it's been a conversation for 10, 15 years already that we're still working on. What are some other areas that you see as far as the future of healthcare? Where do you see this growing into and expanding even further? Yeah, I think, uh, of course, you know, technology is going to change, you know, always. And I think looking at the different generations, too, Mm. uh, because not only have we been taking care of the elderly, but then what about uh, the newer generation and how uh, they view healthcare and interpret healthcare? Of course, they're more savvy with technology and how they're getting information. So how do we adapt, you know, to that generation mm-hmm. and, uh, pr- you know, providing them the high quality tools that they need? Yeah, the technology piece now, I mean, some of these these students, it's crazy the stuff that they can do and it changes, I swear, on a weekly basis. And especially, you know, from where you've come with this, I remember you were talking about when you fill out the reports, right, when you leave your patient. And it used to be a paper, mm-hmm. a handwritten sheet that you wrote down your whole, you know, assessment, <laughs> everything that happened. You turned in your sheet of paper, right? But now technology already has streamlined some of this. And it's only going yes. to continue to grow. So if we can tap into it, right, mm-hmm. and especially these this younger generation that just they're in it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's amazing the quality of apps that are out there and, you know, to even look at it, you know, a skin rash and they can, you know, use an app for that or whatever it may be and to know, you know, what they have access to and to be aware of that. So that way you can guide them appropriately as a, a practitioner provider. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Like the skin rash thing. I just scanned a picture of a flower on a hike the other day, and we knew what the flower was in like 0.4 seconds. But yeah, that technology in this space is going to make some some huge shifts, some huge growth. That's awesome. What else? I mean, I want to make sure I'm diving into some of the questions that I think to ask. Obviously, I'm not in the medical field, right? So I want to make sure I'm highlighting some of these parts. What else do you want to make sure we bring up in this conversation that 
I might not ask not having a medical background. I just tap into my mom's medical background. <laughs> sure. I think just to bring an awareness okay. um, to um, the consumers that, you know, mm-hmm. the services that are available are very wide and varied. And so not yeah. only mobile primary care, but we can also connect with palliative care. Um, in fact, we have, you know, palliative care providers, wound care specialists in the home. Okay. Uh, we can connect uh, the patient with, say, mobile podiatry or okay. behavioral health. Uh, there's so many different facets to, you know, help care for that patient in their home setting. And and so it's wonderful to see the availability of all these services, but also to increase the awareness. Yeah. Okay, perfect. And then the last thing I kind of want to dive into is you. You mentioned in the very beginning when you said this, you said it started in 2016, right? Mm-hmm. And you said how you were doing it. But you kind of made it seem like this isn't the the day-to-day. You're not making these home visits. So tell me about you. Tell me about Lisa. What are you doing? <laughs> well, I wear many hats. Yes. So, and I love it. <laughs> I picked up on that. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I started out purely clinical and uh, going into the homes. And it's just so important for me to still have that connection. Yeah. And so um, I really enjoy it and I try to do that still and serve as backup uh, for, you know, our team. As I continued my journey, um, I had to learn a lot of different roles, especially in terms of business. Right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's been a great experience. You know, I've had mentors in the past and even now, which I feel it's so important to connect uh, and make sure that you have those mm-hmm. uh, to lean upon and oh, yes. uh, to learn from and and somebody that you can talk to uh, about your experiences or struggles or challenges and get the inspiration. So I feel that that's very important. I've been, you know, very thankful to have, you know, those individuals to help. And, you know, it's lifelong learning. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And the, the coaches and the mentor piece is so important, especially like you, right? If you're going from being in the medical space to then creating a company around it, it's it's a shift. It's a new area. Um, I've I've done something similar, not in the medical space, right? But being in a field and then stepping out to create a business around it mm-hmm. and tapping into those coaches and those mentors is so vital. I have had a few conversations about this lately. We've referred, I've referred to it as your own personal board of directors. Right. right. The same way you would have a doctor, right? You have your primary care, mm-hmm. you have your doctor, you have your dentist, you have your therapist, you have your your coach, you have your own personal board. So I love that you mentioned that. Do you have different mentors that you've had over time or do you have any that have kind of stuck with you along this journey? Oh, certainly over time yeah. and in different areas, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's, you know, finance or clinical or, um, you know, to draw upon different areas, different skill sets, and reading lots of books. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Absolutely. That is my favorite. And audiobooks. That's how I get through more books nowadays. (laughs) Then by the end of the month when I say, oh, I I read eight books. Everyone's really impressed. Really, it's just because I drive a lot. Yes. So I'm listening (laughs) to audiobooks. I love this. What, as we kind of start to wrap up the conversation, you know, I know a big thing that we want to make sure we bring to everyone is the awareness piece, right? Mm -hmm. If you had an ask 
we talked a little bit about recruiting as well, right? If you have an ask to our listeners and our and our viewers, what else would you throw out there as far as support and ask that you have for your company and for you and what you're growing? Sure. To the listeners, if you know of anybody that might need some help, maybe a neighbor that you know that is aging and uh, may be struggling with some needs and uh, maybe have a conversation also, you know, with their friends or family to find out if they need any help. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, that's how we get our calls in um, and they have different uh, questions and whatever it is, just call and, you know, we can try to vet it out and see, you know, if we can't help, maybe we can steer them in the direction where they need to go or maybe we can't help. Yeah. I'm extremely thankful that you just said that because a lot of times, at least I've seen with neighbors and friends is you have, you know, maybe that that older neighbor and you don't really know if they have family and you don't really know what support they have, right? And if right. no one else is making those calls to give them that support, then they might not get it. Yes. Um, we have an older gentleman who is a neighbor of ours and his wife passed away, his wife of 70 years. And so, yeah, so this beautiful older gentleman, she passed away. He's 88, mm-hmm. and he really doesn't have the family. So we've yeah. taken dinners over and things like that. But I'm glad that you say, you know, just to make that call, to share that support, because they might not know these resources are out there. They're just trying to survive. Mm -hmm. And so really making it a community effort to have our eyes open on, you know, some of our neighbors like that that might need that help. So when you say make the call, so say I'm the neighbor, I see this gentleman next door, he needs some help. Who do I call? What do I say when I'm reaching out to your team? Sure. So you can Definitely call our phone number anytime, 24-7, and that's 888-709-8721, or go to our website, uh, which is mobileonedocs.com, and it's all one word with one spelled out, and you can connect that way as well. Yes. One word all spelled out. That's why when I read it, I can't, (laughs) I can't, it's been, I haven't gone through my coffee yet. Anything else? I want to make sure that we... We capture, you know, really what you guys are doing and the growth that you have in the community. Is there anything else that you want to make sure we get to everyone? I just really feel strong about making that call because every case is different. Every uh, person and their situation is different. Yeah. So we want to be able to personalize that and help them individually with what they need. I love that. And so the website and the phone number, is that the best place for folks to reach out? Maybe if they want to reach you and learn more, or if maybe they're hearing that you're recruiting people and they want to join your team, is that the best way for them to reach out as well? There's also info at mobileonedocs.com. Perfect. Uh, So if they want to shoot an email, absolutely. We would love to hear from potential uh, individuals that might want to work with us uh, in any capacity. So... Yes. Awesome. And then if they want to reach out to you in particular, is that still the best way? Or oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, Lisa, I am so excited that we got to chat. Like I said in the beginning, sometimes we have a room full of people and the conversation, you know, goes in so many different directions. It's nice to be able to have the conversation and focus on 
one person, one business <laughs> and really get everything across. So I appreciate you coming into the studio today. So again, that was Lisa Swanson, the CEO of Mobile One Docs. Thank you. And to everyone else that's listening and joining us today, thanks for joining us in our Phoenix Business Radio X studio here in Tempe, Arizona. Some media leans left, some leans right, but we lean business. Mm-hmm.